Welcome to the Type 3 Patterns Podcast. I am so thrilled to have each of you with us. Why don't you start by introducing yourself and tell us where you're from. I'm Sarah, and I am in Nashville, Tennessee area. I'm Terry. I'm in Tucson, Arizona. I'm James. I'm in uh, Glendale, Arizona. And I'm Corinne. I'm in Philadelphia. All right. Well, welcome to each of you. We uh, are doing this podcast uh, on patterns because one of our friends uh, reached out to us and said, hey, you guys always talk about this thing uh, like the core motivation and the pattern. What is that? (laughs) What do you mean by that? Uh, what does that look like by type? And so we thought, well, why don't we ask you guys and see what you think and and how you would answer that question. And so here we are uh, getting ready to find out what do the patterns look like in the type three. So first of all, let's begin by asking for your definition of the core motivation. The core motivation is usually described in a lot of literature as so this, this, like this one liner, usually, where it's like the core motivation of the three is to succeed, to achieve, to be competent, and to be perceived as successful. So oftentimes it's that one liner. But what I want to hear is for you to describe it, to explain it a little bit more, and do so from your viewpoint. And uh, so, yeah, who would like to begin? So when I think of core motivation and be seen as successful, um, to put that in an example format is either my friend group or work colleagues or my, my personal relationships, I always like to see be seen as valuable in a format of no one's going to look at me and say, oh my gosh, she, she should be doing more, could have been doing more. Meaning I was big into sports as a child. So I was, you know, the captain, the star of the team that, you know, all of that stuff that, you know, your typical three did. I was a good student. And then I also wanted to be seen as a really cool person and moved from Minneapolis, Minnesota down to Nashville to be in the glitz and glamour of the music industry. So that's kind of when I think of motivation and what got me to where I am today, all of those stars kind of aligned and got me to where I'm sitting here. So, yeah, I I agree with Sarah a lot. I would voice it more that I needed to feel successful and feel competent and feel like I was getting things done more than actually being seen. It was nice to see that. I needed that maybe, but not as much. I needed to feel it more inside that, that I was competent and successful. What helps you feel that way? Getting things done, checking things off the list, being good at what I was doing from the way I felt. It was nice to get thank yous. It was nice to get praise, but I really didn't feel like I needed it as much. Yeah, something for me is like a a compulsion to be productive. Um, That's definitely a core motivation for me. Even my day offs have like a to-do list. Like (laughs) I'm going to do this to relax for this many minutes. And then I'm going to like check that off and feel like, (laughs) yeah, good job me. I succeeded at doing nothing. (laughs) Yep. And I I relate a lot with uh, what Terry said. Um, Not super interested in what most people say about me, other than like very close trusted people. Lots of time if if people are like, oh, yeah, like, oh, you you did so good. I'm like, okay, that's nice. I don't know if you know, like how good I am, if that makes sense. So it would seem to come more so from people that maybe know a little bit more of what you actually accomplished or people that you regard as maybe important or uh, people that you look up to, admire. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't really matter if it's coming from somebody who 
you're not you're not seeking to impress them it's like right yeah that, that doesn't really motivate me if i could sum up my three motivation in a song <laughs> nice i think it's miley cyrus the climb right how does that go it's just, uh, oh, come on. You don't know Miley Cyrus. I'm not singing it. But it's just like the, it's like the climb. Like it's like the next mountain, the next peak, the next mm. hard thing. And so I agree with what everybody said. For me, it's certainly in a space of, I want to be seen as, perceived as competent and capable. And so kind of like what folks just said, there's certainly an external assurance or an external validation that comes back to me of like, look at that. I just climbed that hard mountain. I'm competent. I'm capable. Did you see what I just did? Here I am Mm. doing the next hard thing. Mm. Yeah. It's like, sure. Could I sign up and do a triathlon? Yes. But why start at a sprint? Go Olympic distance and then don't back off. You know what I mean? Like everything is like, I'll see you that and raise you a this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's yeah. a good transition. Another thing when I think of motivation is if I look at it, like a triathlon sounds absolutely horrible to me. Like I don't even want to attempt it. You know, I remember things that you look at something and if you, if you look at it and you might not be good at it or successful at it, you're like, I'm not even going to try because if I try and fail, now I'm not seen as successful so I will pick and choose what my mountain is that I'm climbing very carefully. And, and I agree with that, Sarah. And again, using the analogy, we hike mountains. The journey's horrible. Can't stand it. But the fact Absolutely. when I get it, when I get on that peak, that is it. I accomplished it. I made it. I did it. But getting Agreed. up there and getting down, <laughs> no. Miserable. Yeah. Mm. Someone said to me the other day, like, James, you're just so good at everything that you do. And in my head, I'm thinking, no, I just do things that I'm good at. Mm -hmm. By design. It's just more efficient that way. I love it. Well, you're all talking about the pattern as well. So we we started with the sort of core motivation is that what's driving all of that? And then what do you do? And in some cases, you've mentioned some things like, well, I'm not going to take on a I'm not going to take on a challenge. I don't think I'm going to succeed at. Right. So that's that's part of how the core need gets met. So I'd like to elaborate on that because the core need. And we've been saying this for some time at the Art of Growth is the core need itself is not really ever going to get met in the ways that we try to get them met. It's actually the ego is much more intelligent. It's protective. It's saying because you don't feel successful inherently, you don't feel that sense of value. What it's going to do is to keep you from ever having that experience uh, again. And so it manifests in things like make sure you succeed, make sure that you plan that success out. So it's not, you know, you you don't leave it up to whim, you don't leave it up to chance. And so maybe elaborate a little bit on on that. Like, what do you see as your pattern of making sure that you don't experience that sense of failure? Usually, I'll try something. But within the first five minutes, if I feel like I'm not going to make it, I'm done, I'll quit. I love dabbling in the house. I love tinkering with electronics or fixing things. But if I realize that I can't do it in a couple minutes, I'm no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to persist for two or three hours and something. I'm just not going to make it. So I'll, I'll pawn it off somebody else. So that's kind of, but I, I do test the waters. I will definitely test water on most things. There's a few things I'll know. Like again, the back to the triathlon, there's no way in the world I'm going to test that water. But you know, other things I will test the waters a little bit 
But if it's like there's a stumbling block and it's going to take a long process, nah, I'm probably not going to do it. I have a uh, a kind of a strange feat where, and I have ADHD, and this is also an, an ADHD thing where I I genuinely believe that if I put my mind to it, I could be successful at anything. My dad used to say to me, even at a very young age, is like, you you don't practice until you get it right. You practice until you can't get it wrong. Mm. So so I'll definitely go into the lab and just overwork and practice and practice. And if I'm bad at something, it almost makes me want to like conquer that thing and then like prove to myself that I can be successful at that. Mm. And I, I agree with James. I've used the mantra, if anybody can do it, I can do it. When I was younger, mm-hmm. that was a driving force for me. But then at, at times it was like, nope, okay, I've got other things I want to accomplish. So I would kind of use that mindset of like, no, that's not as important. This other thing is. Would you say because efficiency is important to you? Oh, so you're like, 100%. I can do this other task. A hundred percent. Yeah. In that core motivation for me, there is this innate, I mean, I can almost like physically feel it of like, oh no, I have to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, like a I, compulsion. Yeah. But like in a sense, like there's that scared feel of if I don't get it, if I fail at this thing, like there's the exposure, there's the Whoa. like, oh, you know, so there comes with this sense of like, you know, like, again, I will conquer this. I will work so hard at whatever this thing is to figure it out. So in that space of like, because the the fear of the failure, the fear of sort of that exposure of, oh, in fact, I am a fraud. Because mm-hmm. I think that's part of like, certainly for me, there is this sense of like, yeah, the inner critic is pretty loud for me. I don't know if you all, if that resonates for you mm-hmm. all, but there is that Definitely. sense of like, I just, if I just work really hard, they're not going to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. That imposter syndrome comes out an awful lot. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Even if it's not true, it, it always feels like an imposter to the point where it's like, okay, I'm good at this thing, but I'm always outwardly convincing other people that I'm better than I think I am. It's like, no, I am that good, but I, in my inside, I'm, I'm almost saying it out loud to reassure, you know, to, I'm trying to fool myself into thinking this, right. Going back to the, the trying new things. Um, I feel like that was a, that was something that was a really heavy pattern in my early childhood, but the last several years of my life, I, I heard Matthew McConaughey say this on a podcast once, and it was when we were growing up, my dad would sit us around the dinner table and go around the room and say, what'd you feel at today? What'd you feel at today? What'd you feel at today? And he would talk about everything you had to come with a failure today. And it wasn't to shame you. It was, you tried something. It's, it's you're trying, even though you're not good at it, you're trying it and failing. It's more about the, about trying it. And I kind of have been trying to embrace that, but it's so hard, <laughs> so hard. So talk to me a little bit about the imposter syndrome and it helps understand like, why is it that you don't feel like you're good at something when you've done the work to get there and be good at it? Like what's the what's the imposter? Where where is that coming from if you're actually competent? Well, I'm competent, but there's always somebody better than me. I'm not the best at it. I was a very competitive gymnast growing up as I mentioned earlier and when I got through high school, I was debating whether to go to college and and further my gymnastics career. And I did not get a D1 team that was really chasing me because I wasn't that good. 
And so instead, I I chose a school that didn't have gymnastics at all because I'm like, oh, well, this is the school mm-hmm. I wanted to go to because I didn't get that that D1 team. So even though I was a good gymnast and I was like one of the best ones in the state, I felt like I wasn't good. I wasn't that good. I wasn't good enough because where I wanted to be didn't want me. So I I pull mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned early on that I was not going to be the best in the room. I was I was a pretty good athlete when I was a child, and I was one of the smartest in my class, et cetera. But I learned probably high school, maybe college, that I was not going to be the top of the class all the time, et cetera. But yet the imposter syndrome stayed because I never felt like I was where I could be. I always felt I could get better. I always felt I could be better. I was good enough. But there was always another level that I could get to if I really pushed myself. But even if you got to that level, there'd be another level. Yeah, it would just okay. keep, it would just keep going. You know, if I was third or fourth, I could get second. Even if I was first, well, that wasn't still. There's another level to get to. You know, even if you're on top. Yeah. So yeah, in my mind, you just you're never. I set one world record, but there's others that I still haven't set. Yeah, with, with like the the mountain hiking analogy we were running with. Like, I don't know if I've ever gotten to a peak without immediately seeing what the next peak mm-hmm. is to climb. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's almost like being, cha- like I'm looking forward, but I'm also being chased by that. Ah, mm-hmm. you, I love that analogy. You can only ride your victory for so long. You know, they, they say a three is great at, at leading a team to a destination, but they're never there for the celebration. They're already planning the next goal. You know, we're never we're never there to celebrate ourselves or our team and what we've accomplished. We've already moved on to the next goal and the next thing, so we can fulfill that need. Yeah. So let's talk about maybe a couple other features. Okay, so we've talked about a, uh, this one is um, that drive to succeed and a little bit about the imposter syndrome. Let's talk about another feature, which is planning and how that serves you in your type to. You know, yeah, to getting to that place of success. Some other people think, well, threes, you know, you're planning, but you're, you know, like from an outsider as a seven, I would look at it and go, wow, that's a really tight plan or that's got a lot to it. So, yeah. So talk about like, how is that part of the pattern that serves the core need? So if you've got 20 things on your to-do list for that day, you've got a plan on how you're going to get all those 20 things done. Getting 18 or 19 done doesn't make it. So planning is everything. And and the plans being disrupted can be pretty, pretty hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but but eat, you know, planning, even just little things and the efficiencies of how you plan. Um, in my work, I had my days down to five minute increments. And it was hard. Jeez. If it got if it yeah, if it got dis- disjointed, it was tough, but I made it up. I had to then replan on how to make up those five minutes or ten minutes. I'm a hero. <laughs> yeah. And I would say the waking up, like physical waking up, like the grid sort of starts forming in my brain of like, here's, and my analogy or in the visual on this one is like, almost each day feels like a double black diamond. Like, okay, there's, I, there's this many things. Here is the plan. I know a curve bullet, you know what I mean? Like something's coming. And so yeah, each each thing is like, okay, still have to get X, Y, and Z done, but now there's this thing. Kind of like Terry was just saying, but that's my waking up thought. And I've been trying to practice a little bit more is like, just how about a couple body breaths before we start putting <laughs> on the armor or putting on the ski suit to head down the mountain? 
There's a lot of mental gymnastics that go on how to get through what has to, quote, get done. And there's a lot, I would say, in that, Joel, in that space of like productivity and planning, it kind of is to James's early, from one of your first remarks, James, of like, we're not good at just, or I'm not good at just being still being like there's like doing producing like that feels air quotes good okay i I, i'm really curious about this so you're driven by i want to be seen as successful or feel successful like i want to like this sense of accomplishment but while i'm getting there i have this imposter syndrome and i have to like burn myself in order to keep going to get there but as soon as i get there there's another goal and it has to keep going. Mm-hmm. Does it ever get to a point where it feels like the entire thing is like a practice and futility? Like this is just so cyclical and I went off the train. I don't, I don't feel like it's cyclical because I feel like each day we have a different challenge that we're trying. We keep it in, we make it interesting, but as far as, I mean, burnout's real for, for us and it's very easy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, the only way it dies is when our body tells us to die, you know, figuratively speaking, you know, when we crash, we crash hard. When my boyfriend walks into my house and I'm laying on the couch in the living room, he immediately goes, uh-oh, do I need to come <laughs> back in like two days? <laughs> and I'm like, yep, change channel. <laughs> but the the efficiency and logistics portion of it is is like one of my passions and it just comes so easy. I, I don't understand how nobody thinks the way I think, I guess. And when things are laid in front of me and they're like, how are we going to accomplish this? I'm like, oh, that's easy. This Tetris here, 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 done. Got it. Boom. We're, we've done it and accomplished. Let's go. And they're like, wait, you have to explain. What did you just do? I'm like, don't worry about it. Let's go. Come on. We can just come with me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy just to, to see it. And it's an easy to get out and head of, head of people um, that way too. But the accomplishing uh, is, is very satisfying when it comes to efficiencies. Yeah, at, at the risk of sounding arrogant, like to piggyback on what you're saying, I had to learn not to get frustrated mm-hmm. with people like just not understanding that I'm I'm going to be right about this. I've thought about this. I've planned it for like two hours at 3 a.m. this morning. Like everything's figured <laughs> yeah, out. Let's go. Yeah. Like I'm going to be right. Yeah. Do I have to explain yeah. it to you? <laughs> it, it's very hard to let go of your agenda. Mm-hmm. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I would say how it physically manifests burnout in me in injury. Mm. And it has taken a while. <laughs> for me to piece this together. Um, But I have herniated discs in my neck. I have herniated discs in my back and landed in surgery. It shows up where my body physically gives out. So I I agree. I actually had a significant crash and burn eight years ago this month, and it drastically changed. I'd had a lot of previous where you kind of had those times where you'd sit back and you'd lay on the floor, lay on the couch, but then really within two days, you're back to planning again and you're back to, you know, doing it. But it does, Jim, to, it takes something really significant to kind of wake you up. Mm. My Mine manifests in like problems with mental health. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm currently on like anti-anxiety and anti-depression medication because I've had times where um, just like deep periods of depression where it, and, a lot of that is just the way that I'm wired, but also just 
this sense of like overwhelming, like I'm never going to be able to get all this stuff done to the level that I, I know that it needs, that I feel that it needs to be. I don't know if it needs to be done that well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, uh, we've coached uh, a few uh, type threes with ADHD and they in particular struggle with that, the anxiety, you know, and each type three will have their own sort of like, you know, issue that comes along with them. There's nobody that gets away with with just a clean, easy type three existence. So let's talk about because this, this is so good, and um, and I think it's important for folks to understand how this pattern works within the type three. There is something for each of us in terms of our patterns that actually does work. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it, right? So there's something about the pattern, and like we're saying, I think it pulls back a little bit on the sense of failure. So as long as you're running as a three, as long as you're checking off the list, it's it's like it's like being pushed from behind in one sense. And I don't know if that's what you meant, James, but like you're 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 kind of running from that that sense of of shame or failure. And you're you're continuing to keep moving forward. The high side, so we're talking about the low side right here, but the high side is that there's some really wonderful things about all of these features in the type three uh, that you're able to do some amazing things. You're able to accomplish plans. The fact that, you know, Sarah, I'm glad you see that. We've said this to to, to, to all to all nine types. Like, you're gifted. If you could see it and recognize it, it'll help you also to stop being so frustrated by people who aren't gifted in the same way. But that's part of what comes with the type three is your capacity to see how the problem in front of you or the sort of chaotic mess that's in front of you, how you can turn that around with a plan and somehow you magically come up with it. Now, some three say, well, I work pretty hard at it. I say, yeah, how hard? Have you seen me try planning? I mean, so, <laughs> yeah. and then they, they recognize like, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Like I can come up with it generally faster than most people. <laughs> That's part of the gift of, of, of the pattern. So there's a high side to it. What I'd love to do is hear from you in terms of like, when you realized that the pattern at its low side was not really working for you. And what are some things that you began to do maybe to change that pattern? Well, I guess, again, I had this event eight years ago, which was a real eye opener. And I realized that I had never stopped to smell the roses, so to speak, that life had passed me by and I was all about doing, doing, doing. And I didn't even know who I was outside of this person that was just knocking things off and doing things. And I had about a nine month sabbatical and I was lost, totally lost, Mm -hmm. relatively clinically depressed. But it just kind of woke up, said, hey, there's more to life than just ticking things off the list and, and doing things. So, again, going back to the hiking analogy, it was more enjoyable to actually experience the journey of climbing the mountain and, and looking at the leaves and the trees and crossing the streams and stuff like that. And the, the peak was still cool. It was great. But yet it was the journey up and down and the, and the pain I actually felt in my body was was kind of like, wow, it hurts to do this, you know, more than I realized just from an emotional standpoint. So, but I think it was just more that realizing that there's a little more to life than just knocking things off and just doing it. There's great things, as you said, about being a three. It's it's really been wonderful accomplishing the things I did and leading some of the things I did, knowing the people I, I, I've got to know. But yet I really didn't take care of me. Did you change anything after that experience? Yeah, I was, quote unquote, forced to retire. That was my first retirement. I took on eventually took on a second job where I kind of sat back 
and didn't lead. I, I kind of said, let's see what the organization wants and kind of helped out. I started listening to my body more, realizing that, that you know, I got to take care of myself. Again, I was an athlete. I'm not now, but I've got to start realizing that these aches and pains are real. So it's doing that and slowing down. Again, in my case, I've got two young grand, grandsons. I guess the way I look at it, it's kind of that sports analogy. And instead of moving the game, I'm kind of letting the game come to me a little bit. Ooh. All right? Ooh. So it's kind of like, you know, instead of driving life, especially my grandkids, it's like, let's let them drive. Let's sit back and just kind of wow. watch and enjoy and, and take in the moment. So it, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I've been working on. Again, it's still, it's still a work in progress because there are times when, you know, Sure. I, I've got it. I've got my agenda and we're going to go there and we're going to do this. And I still got a plan and I still got my efficiencies, but there's other times you just got to sit back and go, no, let's just, let's just keep it simple, mm-hmm. you know, and let the game come to you. Wow. I think what's unfortunate or fortunate for us threes is that we live in America, which is a very three country. And it's super easy for us to be super three. And I think that's kind of played into when you talk about our strengths, Joel. I mean, it's, I'm a super great corporate employee, which I keep following, <laughs> falling into. Um, and it, and it just is very indicative of, of the three. There are very clear ways to succeed there and climb up the ladder and keep going. But I think when we talk about a, a pivot point in, in our lives, Every story I've heard from a three is there has to be some sort of extreme crash for us to actually be like shaken awake to realize that we need to change something within ourselves and realize that there are there are side windows in our car and not just a windshield. Mm. Um, I think we get so used to looking out the windshield um, at what's in front of us that we don't even know what, you know, the side looks like. So like you, I had a, a big crash and my came in the form of, of a divorce and it was, a it, it was a hard point and a hard move in my life. I felt like I failed at, at something that was important to society. And I was also, you know, changing jobs and there was like three or four other things. Anyway, I got real sick for about three months, went to the ER and just totally, completely crashed. And at that point, you know, I started therapy and my therapist introduced me to the Enneagram and I was like, oh, this explains so much. And like, this is the hack. This is the hack to being a better me and being the best three I can be. <laughs> and so now yes. here we are. But it's it's come in the form of in less of an addictive kind of way and more of a, a healthy way. Yeah, for me, it was almost by a year and a month ago I, I, is when I first saw a psychiatrist because I want to say it was almost a year or two of having like literally daily panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And my whole di- my whole digestive system was totally jacked up to the point where I went to the doctor to try and like get tested for allergies because I could like barely eat. Mm. Um, and I was like, "Yo, I can't. I literally am gonna die if I like can, if I don't do something about this." And I remember like lying in my bed <clears throat> and being like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna die. Like I don't know what I mm. can't eat anything. Like I feel all these feelings." And then once I got on some medication to kind of like help my my mind figure itself out and then talking to a therapist 
kind of like what Sarah was saying, like figuring out like what the hacks are to use my patterns like for myself. Because I think that like at first, my natural instinct was to have poor pattern control, if that makes sense. So like, how do I get better? Well, I look at someone who's better at me and then I compare myself to them. Because of course, mm. how else am I going to get better if I don't compare myself to someone mm. else? Mm. Oh, interesting. But then now I know that's like actually super unhealthy. So if I, I flip that around, like I only ever compare myself to myself and how do I become a, a better version of me? Sort of like using the hacking, hacking my brain that way to kind of like be in a more healthier space. Mm. So Joel, I, this came with a coaching session with you, my very threeness, right? And I'm, I'm relatively new. I stumbled into the Enneagram. Yes. Plenty of years of therapy and panic attacks and keep going and keep going. But about three, three and a half years ago in a podcast and was like, Oh my God, what's this thing? Right. And then as a three just went all in, cause why not read and listen and <laughs> yep. figure it all out. It was like, the film kind of like pulled back. But Joel, in a session with you over the summer, you were like, you're never not going to be a three. Hmm. Yeah. And there was some real space in, in there for me because I think, see, the MO for me is then like, well, then I've got to do it better. Like I've got to be the, like the healthiest, like not even the healthiest three, but like, here's this three thing about me that I've got to figure out. Mm. I got to figure it out so I don't have panic attacks and I don't have anxiety and I don't have, like, I have to figure this thing out. And so there was some space of just like, yeah, this is how I am. Like this, and it, that's okay. Like just permission then to be like, I'm a three who is, yep, planning and makes hard choices and decisions and also naming the good side. And I think that has been helpful for me too, is to pull back and be like, because I'm so hypercritical of the underbelly side of the three. So that's one of just like, yep, and I'm a three. And then the other, I think in a pattern, what I'm trying and playing, failing, trying, playing, is when I can feel of like, here comes the, per you know, whatever it is, the performance, here's the test, here's the thing, is to say to whomever, you know, whatever the like external is to say, you know what, this feels really, really scary for me right now. And here's why, which is like the most out of body, out of crazy three land to be in. That's how it feels to like, let somebody actually in on like what the experience is. And it's not in all the time y'all like, trust me, it's like just trying it right now. Um, but there's been some real cool stuff that's opened up in that space for me to say, Yep, I see that you perceive that I am as competent and capable and can do this with my eyes closed, but this is how it actually feels for me. Mm. I think you mentioned something when we're talking about patterns. I think an important one to point out for us is the the chameleon and the masking and the mm. ability to put on different masks based on who we're around and the different environments we are to, to fit in or to try to belong. And I, I think when I, when I first stumbled into the Enneagram and found of community, I was pretty quiet in it because I sat back and I'm like, they all know, like, I can't, 
Like they know a three, they know me. Like I can't fake them out. Like, what am I going to do? I don't belong here. Like, what, are, what am I going to do? They, they know what I'm doing. Um, and I've just learned to embrace it. And it's like, you know, if I, if I'm not vulnerable and honest in, in this environment, I'm never going to get anywhere and I'm never going to get better. So this has been the safest place for me to choose to, you know, open up. I also wanted to add that, um, you know, you know, this sense of like only wanting to do things that I'm good at or successful, like, like, like choosing my own adventure, like having children completely blows that out of the water. <laughs> so when you were talking about like, what's something you failed at today? If I was at the dinner table every day, every single day would be like parenting. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could have been more patient. I could have been nicer. I could have been yeah. more present. I could have... Like I, I changed that diaper. Like that was maybe it wasn't quite lined up properly. I like to get it like perfectly lined up on both sides. <laughs> Not saying that having children is like a hack. Don't just have a kid to like <laughs> cure your type threeness. But <laughs> thanks for clearing up that messaging that goes out. Yeah. You know, just yeah. that will end up on some type threes checklist. Okay, exactly. right. children. children. Oh, this is wonderful. What I like you to do as we round the corner is talk about something that you are doing uh, well and see if you can lean into that a little bit. I know it's it's difficult. It's difficult for all types uh, to celebrate something about themselves that they are doing well. And And this is the thing that may surprise some folks. I'm so glad you've already said it, that um, and I think it came from you, Sarah, that uh, sometimes you may drop some hints about your success, or you may even say, you know, quite uh, plainly that you've succeeded at something. And it may come across to some people as you actually believe that and, you know, you're just sort of like reveling in it, but it's actually not true for the three. It's the opposite. It's that I don't feel that. And so I'm trying to elicit that externally. And so do your heart something good uh, tonight and just express something about yourself that you are celebrating, something good that you have done, some growth area, whatever it is. I've been practicing meditation for the past year and uh, I've been I've been rocking it. I've been do- doing really great at that. It's it's become like the the one avenue for me to bring peace to my mind and not focus on the next peak and not focus on the to-do list. And it's it's allowed me to uh, like control what I call like my, my compulsions to be productive. Um, mm. So I, I use like a little app that guides me and I'm, I'm like really proud of myself for making Very that good. like step as a, mm. as a type three, you know? It's excellent. Do you want to recommend like the kind of meditation you're doing or the app that you're using yeah. that's helping you? Yeah, I use um, an app called Balance. It's it's free for a year. And then I think it's like, I don't know what the cost is, but I don't care because I'll pay for it. <laughs> it's changed my life. But the type of meditation that I like that's been most helpful for me is, well, the technique is labeling. Like something that I have a propensity to do is give every thought my full attention so I can like really explore it, get down to the nuts and bolts. How am I going to overcome this fear, problem, puzzle, whatever? Um, and just allowing myself to be like, oh, that's that's just a thought. Mm. Like, 
So that that's like the technique of labeling. And it takes a it took me a lot of practice to like I still haven't mastered it, but it's brought my it's brought me a lot of peace. Yeah. Does it give you some objective distance from the thing that would always be kind of pushing on you and putting pressure yeah, on you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the it's developing that distance that's sort of like you're the observer. You're not just subject to your own thoughts mm-hmm. or subject to your own feelings. So yeah. I can still tap into that side when I need to, like when I'm at work, yeah. when I need to get something done. I spent, said to my, my therapist was like, what do you want to get out of therapy? And I said, I just want to be able to spend time with my family and not wish I was at work. Um, yeah. yeah, You know, cause I, cause I, I feel guilty, but I also like want to get work done. And so that was, that kind of like started the pathway there. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Got a good segue for yeah. that. I think the work thing is definitely a, a hard mountain, if you will, if we're going to keep on theme to climb or to not see in front of us as a three where a lot of our, our lives are focused and surrounded by that because we get a lot of a lot of value and worth out of it. Um, and I know, Joel, you know this, I'm, I'm in this weird like liminal space right now where I've been notified that my job is going away. And I don't have a plan to figure out what what is next. That's a lie. I have a plan. But uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, I have a plan, but it's a very loose plan. And I don't know yeah. if it's going to work out. And it, I, I'm doing all of the activities in my plan, but it's it's hard to gain the results that I'm wanting. So I've really been kind of struggling with that. But I think what I've been doing great at is trying to find peace and comfort in in that space. And fortunately, I am not going to starve tomorrow. I've I've have a foundation where I can, you know, afford to have have that space and and not be able to like if I don't have a job at the end of the month when I get let go, I'm I'm not going to not going to completely freak out. I'm. I probably will freak out a little bit, but I'm trying to really lean in to just being okay in that space. And I've really leaned into using this time to not even focus on work at all. My my energy and my focus towards my current job that I'm wrapping up has been very minimal. And I'm using all of my three energy to pour into however many self-improvement activities and books that I can possibly do. And whether that be meditating or, you know, you know, reading or listening to Brene Brown or, you know, doing all of the Enneagram work that I've been doing. It's been very helpful because I find at places in my in my journey that I kind of put myself on the side and I've been utilizing the time to kind of recenter and refocus and, and actually like learn about without work, who am I? And so I'm I'm relearning me. And so that's been that's been a fun journey this past month or two, I'd say. I guess success for me is being able to tell people that I reti- I am retired. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on my second retirement. Uh, it's been almost a year and a half, and it took me probably a year to use the R word because, you know, you're tired. Do you have value to anybody? Mm-hmm. And, of course, as you know, value is real important from a three standpoint. But I'm learning to live in the moment. Some of the some of the meditation like James is doing, uh, living in the moment, enjoying the moment, stopping to smell the roses, taking care of my body. I walk every day. I'm doing yoga now, which I 
that was just for girls, you know, back in the day. <laughs> um, so things like that. But it's really just realizing that my value is just being me. And my value can be as little as just holding a door for somebody or just giving somebody space or my wife space when she needs to talk or something like that. I don't need to drive things. So, but it all comes down to just learning what retirement is for me. That's so I'm, it's, I'm not there. And again, as a three, I may never get there, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm learning to enjoy the journey. I have a question. When you tell people you're retired, do you tell them what you're retired from? I imagine myself doing that. <laughs> Well, interesting question. And again, I, not to get too much in, I, I w- I'm a retired physician. And when I was a doctor, I never used the word doctor. When I would go places, I never, I was never Dr. X. I, I, I was first name basis with all my patients. Once I, my first retirement, you know, it was Dr. So-and-so. I mean, I used it everywhere I could because I was trying to hold on to. Now, no. Mm-hmm. I, and I was a big thing about six, eight months ago. I said, I'm not a doc anymore. I, I'm too far gone. I'm too gone from it. That's not my identity. My identity is, you know, Terry. Yeah, it, it's a journey. It took a while, but I, I've let go of it. Well, and and you can you know you can look forward. I love the fact that Terry, you've got some. Yeah, you've you've grown quite a bit, and you're at a place now where that's that's helpful to other threes. You know, I look to sevens that are further along than me, and uh, and that's been helpful because you can, you know, it's not a seven that can model to a three what a three should look like it's really another three, you know? And, uh, so I'm really grateful for that. I would say in, in where I am in this space, I'm trying to practice and notice in the space of, I can trust myself. So it's, you know, sort of thematically that what we've all been talking about, but trying to notice a little sooner of where I'm caught and hooked in that space of external validation Mm. And where that puts me on the treadmill, because then I put myself on that treadmill sprinting, but I can trust myself, you know, is it to slow the pace down? Is it to get off the treadmill? Is it to even get on in the first place? So just trying to come back to that. There's been some spaces where it's, you know, moments where I can see like, I'm like, oh, like you're in a tizzy right now, Corinne, because (laughs) you just kicked butt over here and did and like, did anybody even see it? And then it's like, hang on, sister, right? Like, just notice there of like, you tr- like, just then trust myself of what I did, why I did it, and find space and peace in that. But it's hard. It's a, it's a, it's almost like an every constant reminder of like, pause. I can trust myself. Well, and for, uh, for you, and for, and I celebrate that in you because. That's what you're practicing. It's not, there's no destination, you know, not, not in the sense that there's an arrival point at which you will be no longer whatever. Yeah. Or there is none. Yeah. There's just the practice and that's what you do. And, and I'm, we're celebrating that in you that you're practicing this. You're catching things a little bit earlier and that compounding over time starts to become a real big thing. And then, you know, in several years from now, it's like, wow, I'm not struggling with this nearly as much as I did uh, before. So um, so that's part of the growth. Yeah. And then also learning to celebrate, look, you're a three. You're all threes, right? The ability to uh, shapeshift, to become what it is you need to become as an efficient way of then getting to that place of, of deriving value or, or feeling, you know, of, of really giving somebody 
what it is that they need in the moment because you were able to adapt. Like that's a wonderful quality within the three. Uh, you know, the ability to plan, uh, the ability to see where there are inefficiencies and create efficiencies, like learning to celebrate. These are the things that I can do. And I would add a, a, a last thing, a final thing, and that is to recognize that you are the talent. It's already present within you. And it's not something external that you are achieving through sheer hard work. It's already inside you. And I want to thank each of you so much uh, for having been on this panel, for having shared as openly and vulnerably as you have, and for allowing us to see what it is like to be in your shoes. And so mm. thank you so very much. Thank you so much for listening. You can find out more about us at www.theartofgrowth.org. That's the place to learn more about our comprehensive training and coaching programs for organizations around team health. And you can also reach out to us there about individual coaching as well. And there are many tools on the Art of Growth website to help you on your journey. We'd also encourage you to check out the main Art of Growth podcast. Grace and growth, my friends.